Hey, Ricky, are, are we recording right now? Is this thing even on? Uh, bro, how many times I gotta tell you, hit the red button, dude. Ah, uh, well, here we go. Hopefully this will work. Today, I hope I get a couple of my picks right. What's up, everybody? This is Adam. And this is the Irrelevant Sports Guys, and I got my boy here, Ricky. What's up, what's up? Welcome to the podcast, guys and ladies. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be talking about some updates from last week's episode. Um, we're going to touch on uh, a pretty good bit of topics, actually. There's a lot going on, a lot of things in the NFL, a lot of things in just real life, as far as, you know stuff outside the sports world um yeah I'm, I'm ready to get into it ricky yeah man um a lot of people you know we are a sports podcast uh we're just two guys sitting around throwing our opinion around irrelevant sports guys but like we say every week man um there's so much more to life than sports and you know you're going to hear us talk about everything from you know our families to sports to what we did over the weekend, what our hopes and dreams and all that stuff. It's all integrated together. Um, so with that being said, bro, what did you do this weekend? This weekend. So again, with me having my side job of photography and videography that I run, uh, right. that keeps me pretty busy on the weekends. Pretty much every weekend during September, November, and December, man, with that being wedding season and Christmas card season, we're just slammed all the time it feels like um so my weekend was kind of a blur um we didn't really have a whole lot of downtime unfortunately um i did get to catch you know a good bit of football here and there in times that i had downtime but um yeah i just stayed real busy uh with my side hustle gig and um you know trying to trying to catch highlights of some of the bigger games that, yeah. that went on this weekend. I know you're you're a pretty creative guy. What is your like what's your dream? What's it look like as far as um your photography and like what do you are, are you just kind of doing it for the money? Are you doing it for the like it's your passion? What's well, <laughs> what's going on there? It is it's kind of funny. Um actually it all started my sister, she had an old like what I like to call a mom camera. Um, which is just, you know, from, from the side of a professional photographer, the way we look at, you know, random, you know, middle-aged women buying these digital cameras and, you know, taking pictures of their babies, right. uh, doing whatever it is they do. Um, she had an old one that she wasn't <laughs> going to use anymore. And she asked if I wanted, wanted it. And I think it was worth maybe $500 at the time. And how were you at the time? She was... Let's see, this was maybe six years ago, so I was I gotcha. about 23, 24. I gotcha. Um, and so she uh, you know, offered it to me for 200 bucks, and I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, I've always liked media um, in general. Um, I never really knew what side of it I wanted to go into as far as how I wanted to express that that was inside of me. But um, yeah. yeah, man, getting that first camera kind of, you know, kind of struck gold with me on the inside and like literally as far as turning it into a business. But, um, long story short, took that $200 camera, um, fast forward six years later, um, turned what started out as just a, 
you know, a shot in the dark, literally, um, into something that sustains me and my family as far as, you know, fun money or money that doesn't have to go towards bills. Um, right. It's, you know, we're, we're on the verge of it being too big for me to handle, but not too small that I'm not busy enough, if that makes sense. Right. So um, you mentioned you and your wife. Kind of in a sweet spot. Right. You mentioned you and your wife. Um, what, you know, how do you guys share roles when it comes to the photography business? <laughs> she actually wants nothing to do with it. Um, oh. <laughs> no, she, I, <laughs> I call her my, my biggest critiquer. Um, she's probably what has driven the business to grow. Um, you know, sometimes I get complacent with myself and try not to push the borders or try not to push, you know, what I'm capable of, right. um, to keep, to keep growing. And, um, she's always kind of that still small voice and sometimes not always so still and not always so small, but, um, she always knows the right things to say, you know, to keep me motivated, to keep me going, uh, she'll she'll tell me i did a terrible shoot she'll tell me i did a great shoot um she she shoots it straight so it keeps me on my toes keeps me always wanting to innovate my work and you know learn new skills new techniques to bring to my clients that way our business doesn't go stagnant but as far as like a physical piece on photo shoots holding a camera that kind of thing she wants nothing to do with it so if um, so if somebody wanted to reach out to you guys and do a photo shoot or a wedding or you know a family reunion how could they reach y'all yeah they we we try to be as um readily available as possible um the i guess the most normal way people get in touch with us is through facebook gotcha uh, facebook messenger we have a, a facebook actual profile um and that we probably get about 50 percent of our bookings through there very nice we have an instagram at vital lens productions not trying to plug anything but oh that's the point um, dude that's the that's the <laughs> point that's what we're getting to but we have uh you know an instagram um where i've had people schedule through dms there um it's a really the thing that's astonishing to me is the ability of word of mouth to spread anything gotcha. um I, I, I would say our business has grown the most off of word of mouth and that has been you know I, I take that as a great compliment because if someone likes what you give them whether right. it be you know photography or any other service you know even this podcast you know word of mouth from our friends and colleagues and people we know you know that means a lot that people are talking about it and yep. you know getting other people involved just from them talking about it. That that's, that's where the magic happens. I think it really does, man. Well, I hope you guys, um, I hope it gets too big to handle, um, financially that that's you, the plan. you have to contemplate quitting your full-time job to, uh, well, handle well, your see, business. I, I, really the reason I named it vital lens productions, which my wife always says, it kind of sounds like violins. And I'm like, <laughs> no, um, but the reason I didn't name it, like, brown photography or adam's right. you know sharp eye photography or something like that i didn't want my name to be in it because the ideal scenario is is that it grows big enough that i can have employees under me nice and be able to just kind of manage it you know from a owner's perspective instead of having to go 
you know, to every single shoot, every single thing and be present. Right. Um, which sometimes, you know, that, that can be hard to do. You don't want to release things and let other people represent you as a brand. Yeah. Well, man, um, I hope, I hope it continues to thrive and grow for you guys. Um, just the transition into the world of pop culture and the kind of the music industry. Um, we talked a little bit last week of, um, Travis Scott and the whole Astro World debacle. Yeah, man. Um, you know, just the, I think the last twenty seems like. Go ahead. I was I was just gonna say it seems like it just keeps rolling to bigger and worse news. Um, you know, I I think we touched on you know the amount of people that had already passed. I think we were like eight mm, victims yeah. last podcast, and you know it continues to grow. Um, but it's just it's a sad scenario. It is. I think the big question is, you know, everybody's throwing around. Obviously, everybody has an opinion about it. Um, there for a while, I had a I had a deep dive on social media, just kind of listening to people's opinions. I was I witnessed reports of people who were there. Um, I mean, it was you know emotionally gripping. As I mean, people lost their lives, and you know, they're saying over two hundred people were injured. Um, and it's insane. like maybe 50 or so had to be hospitalized, which is just mind blowing. Um, I guess the big question yeah, I heard that I heard one girl got hospitalized and as soon as she got hospitalized, um, she was like upon hospitalization, she was pronounced brain dead. Yeah. Um, from the trauma that she had, you know, at the concert, she's actually a senior at Texas A&M. Oh, wow. Um, and she was actually the ninth victim that passed away uh, between our last, you know, podcast, Aaron. Um, she was one of the two that has made the total of 10 victims. Right. Yeah. And I know the latest victim, you know, um, the nine-year-old that passed away, he was actually on his dad's shoulders in the crowd. And they said when the crowd surged and started pushing towards the stage that he he had the dad fell and of course the son fell and it he literally lost him for like 15 minutes and can you imagine ricky i mean you nah, and I both, dude. your your kids are a little older than mine but just i can't fathom i have a i have a five-year-old daughter right and you know she she loves to be active and be in the community she loves going to do things and you know as a father or as a parent you want to give that to your kids you want them to have you know um you want them to have experiences you want them to you know live life and i'm sure that dad you know he probably had a passion for travis scott yeah um you know and just wanted to share that with his son or heck the nine-year-old you know with what they're um exposed to these days he may have even been a big travis scott fan and that may have been something the dad was trying to do for the kid and i just i can't imagine that turmoil yeah of something turning so quickly like that yeah i'm not even going to begin to you know judge and say what in the world was a nine-year-old doing a travis scott concert um you know on a friday night or whatever it's cultures are different people let their kids listen to different music i'm not going to judge anybody's parenting um you know for all outside appearances looking in you know he was being a good dad he had a kid on his shoulders they were just you know watching a concert i took just three what three four weeks ago took 
my yeah. my baby girl to a concert. I mean, she wasn't on my shoulders in the pit, but she could have been. You know, she was younger. Um, so I can definitely identify with him. I hate that tragedy for that family. It's it sucks. It really does. What what do you think is going to happen to Travis? I mean, in your own opinion, I know that neither one of us are legally yeah <laughs> endowed with knowledge, but you know, just in your average you know opinion, what what do you think is going to happen to Travis? Uh, I don't think much legally. I know, um, you know, civilly, there's probably going to be well, there already is dozens of lawsuits, not just from the families that lost uh, loved ones, but from people who were injured. Um, from what I hear, security is actually suing. Medics are suing. I mean, it's it's going to be a big deal. Wow. It's probably going to be... Um, hopefully, what we want to see happen is not necessarily him go bankrupt or anything like that. We want to see change. Whenever people die... Exactly. Unnecessarily, you want to see things done differently down the road. And so we hope that... Uh, you know, my hope, and I'm sure it's yours too, is to see these type of events and public gatherings be done safely and securely where you can enjoy it like it's, it's just, meant to be. It just seems like there's a history that follows him as concerts. You know, he's, there is. he's been involved with, you know, inciting rage and conflict, um, which I think we touched on a little bit in the last podcast, but it just, I don't see how he keeps getting out of it and keeps, continuing honestly the bigger thing i don't see how these venues and these um you know places that he's putting on these shows continually allow him to book because there's certain standards that a performer has to meet you know to be able to even book a venue right and you know i think live nation which you know put out this Astro World, i think they are on the hook a lot just as much as he is in the public eye yeah, they are, dude. It's um, there's a liability here, you know, that people have to assume when they have an artist come in, and production company carries some of that liability. But um, hopefully, biggest thing I want to see come out of all of this and is definitely some change, and that it doesn't follow him and other um, other mu- musicians and artists as well. Yeah, man. Um, just a kind of get off that <laughs> sad subject yeah. i mean it's something that needs to be talked about right. you know just because of how severe you know the the amount of losses that happened there um but we'll kind of dive into a little uh, questionnaire right. here for you i got a little would you rather let's go want to hear your opinions on that so the first one is ricky would you rather be the star of a bad team and this doesn't pertain necessarily just to football basketball or soccer just in general okay or would you rather be an average player on an elite team Ooh, gotta be one or the other couldn't be both in a career huh um nope i think uh oh we it's gonna say a lot about my personality so i gotta be careful <laughs> um uh, when you say elite team are we talking a championship team meaning we're talking championships, like think of like Patriots of the 2000s, Bama of the early 2000s, Okay, you know, Lakers, that, that kind of elite. I'm, I'm going to come across extremely selfish here, um, but I got to take the star role, man. I mean, like big dogs got to eat and I'm going to smash some, some dicks. So, um, <laughs> well, I mean, dingers. 
Not, I, I was not, about to say, I ain't um, smashing no dicks. <laughs> We're hitting dingers, bro. Um, so I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be the Mike Trout of whatever team I'm on if I have a choice. What about you? I gotcha. Well, um, I'm actually gonna take the opposite side. I, yeah, I thought about it a lot <laughs> when I was writing these up, and uh, even though you make. Uh, smashing dingers or whatever the other word you said dingers, was sound interesting. Dingers. I think <laughs> I think I'm gonna stick to just being the average player on an elite team. Um, I've been a sports fan of you know Georgia sports, the Falcons, the Braves. Which thankfully the Braves finally got us off the the skid and got us a championship. Yeah, man, let's um, go. But you know it it hurts being a part of anything where we don't ever win. I know what yeah. that feels like. And I'd rather make my, you know, three to $5 million be third on their depth chart and contribute during, you know, practice and any other way I can and right. hopefully get some playing time. But give me those championships, man. I, I want to see what it's like to win. Nothing wrong with that. And if I was, you know, like doing the right thing, just not being honest, I would probably say the same thing, but I got to be honest, dude. <laughs> got to be honest. I don't know. I just never, uh, I kind of, I guess, shy away from the spotlight a lot of times. Um, I'm not real good at, uh, people say I am. I guess I come across as being okay at handling the spotlight. and uh, But I don't know. I don't, I don't think I could take the pressure of being a star on the elite team, which I guess one of the benefits would be, if you're a star on an elite, I mean, a star on a bad team, um, you know, for one, you're probably going to be the highest paid player because they want you because without you, they're terrible. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you're also probably going to be marketed as, you know, like the guy that never could make it. You know, you're great, you're talented and all that, but never could get past a certain point. Well, see, that's the thing. You know, different sports are um, have different pressure if you're you know a bullpen let's say you're the closing pitcher for you know a baseball team there's only so much you can do i mean there's only gonna That's be true. So you could be lights out and still lose every game of the season yeah you could be a lights out closer and still only appear in 40 or 45 games so um yeah. or you could be on an nba basketball team uh case in point lebron james you know one of the best basketball players in history and you know he's been on several teams he's been on bad teams he's been on great teams and he's on an elite team now but are they putting it together not really exactly so Lakers are struggling right now for that cohesive unit um and he you know Kevin Durant same same thing in in Brooklyn um you know it's like one of the best basketball players ever, and he's definitely a star, but can they put it together to win a championship? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see, uh, as we record tonight, the the Warriors and the Brooklyn Nets, they're playing yes. each other uh, tonight, so that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And it's kind of just Stev and, and the boys, you know, the ragtag team of the Warriors right. going up against Harden, you know Durant and all of them. So yeah, as, it'll be interesting to as see. As we speak, that score <laughs> is forty-eight, forty-five, Golden State. So uh, there super we go. close. Go Warriors! Go Warriors, man! I'm a huge Curry fan. Um, <laughs> um I got another. Would you rather right, for shoot. you? So, would you rather retire as a forgotten coach with a winning record, or a famous coach 
known to lose championships. That really sounds Ooh, like Mark Rick, it doesn't is, it? dude. It <laughs> is. But here's, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, I, I can't remember if it was on air or if it was uh, just me and you talking in private about Mark Rick. Um, you know, he is, in my opinion, an elite coach. Um, the program that he ran at University of Georgia and I'm sure University of um, Miami uh, as well. But, I mean, he really raised incredible men through that program. And it's it's not all about your wins and losses. As a football coach, technically it is. Um, <laughs> With the way they fire you after... You know, there's such short leashes and extremely hot, hot seats when you come off of a loss. Yeah, dude, it's it's strictly about wins and losses. And to see how these schools handle coaches that don't win, that still have millions of dollars left on their contract, they will fire them just to find a winning coach and still pay them the money that they owed them. So um, it's, it's really crazy how they how they go about that but to answer your question would i rather retire as a forgotten coach with a winning record or a famous coach known to lose championship um once again i'm going to go for the fame and the glory here (laughs) well i guess the fame not the glory um yeah you know would i rather be you know an urban meyer or mark rick urban meyer's won championships university of florida um we know he's famous for the criminal team back in 2000s. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go Mark Rick, only because of, I think, character and integrity goes a long way. If you never win a championship, I think that, um, you know, running a great program, raising men to have uh, to have high quality and character, I think that's most important. What you think? It's funny you pick that. I feel like we're switch, switching from the last oh one. Oh my uh, gosh! I think I think I would retire <laughs> as a forgotten coach with a winning record. Um, it, you know, at the end of the day, I think being known it, is it great to be known and remembered once you're gone. Yeah, but um, you know, I feel like we always go back to who won and who lost at the end of the conversations right. and. I still rather be the forgettable coach that won a bunch of games than the famous coach that never could get past the hump. Yeah. Because that's hard. I mean, that, that that's hard on a career to never have reached the pinnacle. And um, I don't, I think it would be worse for me to never have reached the pinnacle than for somebody to remember me. Right. I I think that's where Kirby Smart is right now. You know, he is, he's about, they're rounding out the season. You know, the, the rest of University of Georgia's football schedule is pretty gravy. Um, we, and Georgia looks so good. They do. and So good. And, you know, Kirby Smart is at that point where is he going to be, you know, the assistant coach that becomes head coach that finally beats Nick Saban. It's coming. So At least the matchup, at least. Yeah, the, I, I think so. Um, if Alabama stays on track and they went out, they should meet up in the SEC title and hope maybe national title. You know, this this time last week we were talking about how I thought maybe Auburn would challenge them in the SEC West Oof. for the ability to go to the championship, but uh, they've fallen quickly from that 
Um, we'll get more into it when we cover a little bit of uh, right. NCAA football. But uh, let's get into a recap of what happened last yeah. week. NFL recap. Let's we go, had some man. some some crazy things happen. Um, we're gonna fall right into the uh, the Cam Newton being back, man. He's back. He, uh, back. <laughs> uh, he it was impressive that in two plays he scored two touchdowns, one passing, one rushing. Yeah. Um, but man, he is. I I may be in a minority here, but he's so easy to hate. I. I haven't liked Cam Newton since he stepped on the Auburn Tigers stadium back in college. Um, I feel like he's a cocky, arrogant. I have some more explicit words I'd like to use to pronounce who I think Cam Newton is, but um, I don't know, man. I just I got a love-hate relationship with him. I love to hate him and hate to love him. He is just an over-the-top, super flamboyant, um, like you said, over-the-top, personality and it doesn't stop on the football field it's in the locker room you know the fact that he hasn't had all the legal troubles that you know typical players with that personality have because he had them all back in he college. did he did <laughs> and that kind of kind of followed him around a little bit but he is very over the top he's a huge guy i mean six foot five 200 and probably 30 now i know one time he was 245 chiseled um I mean, just a just commands the presence of the room. He's a good-looking guy. Um, you know, he's just he's got it, man. So he's what thirty-two years old, I think. I mean, he's still in still in great shape. Um, I, I now I do love to hate him. However, I am very envious of the talent that he has and the the physical stature that he has and everything. You know, yeah. I mean, when you look up in the book, uh, you know, a prototypical football player. I mean, Cam Newton's going to be pretty high on that list. Um, he's a beast. He, he but is. Just it's the antics, you know, scoring that touchdown. And I know he's had a lot of off-the-field, like, doubts from people in the media and things like that, you know, with his stint with the Patriots and all. But right. the whole, like, I'm back, you know, I don't know if any of y'all have seen the video, but that is the most annoying <laughs> video that, of the whole weekend. Like, I love it, dude. Oh, that makes me so mad. I love it. I you know, I think they're going to use him in a great way. Um, you know, those goal line situations, maybe third down situations. Um, but the biggest thing to, that Carolina has going for it is Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he is uh, – number 22 is the top elite running back in the league. He, he's he got hands. He can catch. He can cut. He can chop and spin you know he re- he reminds me of reggie bush at usc not reggie bush nfl reggie bush but right. reggie bush of usc back in 2005 i mean mm-hmm. he, like you said he he's electric when he's healthy and he's all 100 percent go yep there's not another running back maybe aside from derrick henry that you know holds a light to him yeah there's you know he's got a little thing hanging over him about being injury prone and you know i'm not Super sold on that. Don't think he's really injury prone, but there was a time in Sunday's game when he went to the concussion tent, and they had to drag him. I mean, they had to drag him to that. Oh wow, I didn't see that. Yeah, they, they didn't <laughs> say much about it because he came back fine, and he was he went back in the game. But up until early in the third quarter, he literally had 
I think he was 11 yards short of his yards for scrimmage versus the opposing team's yard from scrimmage. Wow. He he almost put up as much as they did, and I think. Yeah, I mean, we we have a guy in our in our fantasy league that uh, actually is your son Josiah. Yep. He uh he he loves some Christian McCaffrey and lives and dies by him. Um, in the fantasy league that we're in, and man. It, it's it's easy to give Josiah crap on stuff, but he he's looking pretty right, standing firm behind Christian coming back. I mean, yeah. he he looked good Sunday. He had a uh, well, he's also a big Auburn fan. He's a huge uh, Carolina, or I'm sorry, Cam Newton fan. So, um. His stars are really aligning. They are. Man, they for, are. For the, well, that match up they there. always have, man, because he, he's also a New England Patriots fan. So when Cam left Carolina, obviously he went to New England, and he was yeah. devastated when they were cut. But the whole point of me saying that, um, I borrowed his laptop computer over the weekend. Um, you know, I had to do something on it, and his screensaver is Cam Newton in a uh, Carolina Panther <laughs> jersey. And then three days later, Cam is back with the Panthers and that's crazy. So he, that was preemptive. He already had the screensaver prior to him. Oh yeah. Back. It's been a screensaver for years wow. now. So, um, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And he's, he's pretty happy about it. Uh, some other games that really, uh, you know, we talked about on the last podcast, we weren't sure how the chiefs were going to be able to, uh, bounce back from a mediocre win. Oh, they, they only terrible. scored about 16 points. I mean, they they won, but they did they really win? You know, like the moral of it, I it still felt kind of like a loss. Yeah, they still look broken. But man, did they impress in Week Ten? Uh, Mahomes comes through huge, throws five touchdown passes. Oh man, the defense looks good, keeping the Raiders in check. Um, they uh they seem to have maybe remedied whatever was going on. Um, they they look strong. I don't, know I don't know if it was so much so that they were playing the Raiders that, you know, have had their own set of issues off the field. But, um, man, they, they looked good on Sunday. They did. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with Mahomes or the Chiefs. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with their defense necessarily. But I'm not completely sold on this game. Um, the Raiders have been decimated um, morally more than physically. You know, they've – you know, we talked about their their issues last week with losing uh, so many key components, losing their head coach. Um, so this isn't a – I don't think it was a true test for, for Mahomes. Um, he did look really good. Five touchdowns. He was spreading the ball out everywhere. He, of course, he hit his favorites, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I was going to say they like, revived from the dead. They actually looked like they wanted to play. Yeah, they did. And it was, you know – he spread the ball around. I, I think he hit uh, nine or ten different receivers, um, which is – that's a lot. That's like your entire starting lineup and your bench. Um, so he did look good. I'm not completely sold on if, you know, they've got their issues figured out. I guess we're going to find out next week. Yeah, they uh, they have a pretty uh, decent matchup coming up with the Cowboys. So mm-hmm. I, I think that will be a good barometer for both teams really – you know, to see who's real and who's who's just <laughs> lucky because of the scheduling that they've faced this year. 
Um, I want to touch back on last episode. Uh, I had mentioned that the Seahawks would upset the Packers, um, you know, but it didn't happen in Lambeau. The frozen tundra was the playground of Aaron Rodgers, and yes, sir, he, he took it. He took it to the Seahawks. <laughs> uh, I think you actually called the Packers winning by ten, and they ended up winning seventeen to nothing. So that's you, right. You would have won that money. bet, my friend. I want my money, <laughs> but no. And you know. I think Aaron Rodgers almost underwhelmed a little bit in this game. Um, there were some drop passes, some overthrows, stuff like that. But um, really, I think the Packers' defense, more than anything, showed up in this game. And um, I think they may have been the turning point, you know, in a game where Aaron was getting, you know, just off of COVID protocols and everything. I think his defense kind of let them let let Aaron ride their back right. know, to a victory for once. Well, I you know, I listened to a couple of interviews with Aaron Rodgers and the biggest issue that he had leading up to the game was he literally has not been around his team for 10 days. And you know, you can do some things through, you know, teleconferencing and while the practices were going on, they had some live cams watching the games. Um or watching the practices and stuff, and he would be in the meetings kind of, you know, with uh, Zoom and that sort of thing, but it's just not the same. And, you know, he's trying to stay in shape, and, you know, I don't know if you contracted COVID, but my personal experience with it was I was extremely exhausted for probably two weeks after I was considered better or back on my feet, you know. Um, So I can't imagine being a professional athlete, and, you know, he's – what, 35, 36 years old, mid-30s, um, just a few years younger than I am, there ain't no way in hell I could be out there <laughs> running away from those I, big I do, boys. I agree, I agree with you for the most part. However, I do wonder, you know, when me and you get sick, we go to the local doctor in our towns, right. you know, or the express cares, you know, the world. But these guys, they're just like a Ferrari, you know, yeah. If you're going to own a Ferrari, you got the money to take care of a Ferrari. True. And when Aaron Rodgers goes down, that ain't like me and you going down, brother. That, that's a face of a franchise yeah. that, you know, the owners of these teams have put so much money into. They're going to make sure they get the best and most efficient means of medical, you know, care that they can have. Um, I, I think that enables them, you know, Barring, you know, a broken limb or something like that, I, th- I think that's why they have such a tremendous bounce back. Because I'm like you, it, it shocks me every time I see a guy go out with injury or with a sickness or something, and then, you know, it's not even a week later, and they're performing like nothing ever happened. That would not be me. I'm, when I'm sick, I'm I'm hugging the toilet. Yeah. You know, I, I'm down for the count. Yeah, it kind of blows my mind that you know through fantasy football you can track their injury status and basically see how they're doing day to day and they might be questionable or they might be ruled out and you know i had a torn calf one time dude about i don't know five six years ago that sounds painful bro it's one of the most painful things i've ever had like i felt it i felt it tear like i went down cried like a baby i was screaming and hollering and all this other stuff and there's guys that pull hamstrings and, like, tear ACLs, and they're back in, you know, eight weeks. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so they are elite athletes. They do have 
millions of dollars invested in them by their teams and their owners and um well, speaking of injuries um you know Mayfield and the Browns they had the matchup against the Patriots um yep. and boy the Browns flatlined in a bunch of different areas in that game they did. um they only mustered 7 points uh you know <laughs> it it was Going into that matchup, I, I thought the Browns would, you know, really give the Patriots a shot, you know, really trying to kind of set them back where they need to be, which is, you know, a young team with young players, a young rookie quarterback, you know, kind of bring them back down a level because as of late, the Patriots have been hot. They've been rolling. Um, but Baker Mayfield without, you know, Nick Chubb in the backfield or um, who's the other running back? Um uh, Gosh, I can't think of his name. No, um, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, both of them, you know, out with either COVID or injuries. I think, uh, I think Hunt may have had a small injury, and Chubb was out with COVID. Right. But you know, man, they they really flatlined, and Baker Baker ends up getting hurt, limps off in the third quarter after you know a pair of hits that he took and. Um, I know he already had some issues with his labrum um, and his non-throwing shoulder. Right. Uh, but, man, they <laughs> well, Patriots took him to the woodshed. Well, I'll tell you this about Baker. And I even, you know, we talked about this last week. He is incredibly tough. And, you know, he took some shots in last week's game um, that were absolutely, I mean, it just rocked his world. And he popped right back up. And I was like, oh, man, he kind of proved something to me. Um, as far as his toughness and to see him go down with kind of, I mean, I, I can see where he fell on it and hurt it and all that kind of stuff. But, um, listen, this is, this is the thing about hot teams, cold teams, star quarterbacks, and that whole thing. When you're, when you have a coach like Bill Belichick or even, you know, Andy Reid or Sean McVay, these elite coaches that ha- are proving who they are. Obviously, Bill Belichick is probably going to go down as one of the... Clearing up. Yeah, he's yeah. going to go down as a goat. So, And, you know, they had a, a horrible out- outing against the Jets where the Jets just, you know, had a rookie quarterback of their own just made them look stupid. Yeah. But you see him oh, that was the game with with with, with uh mike white right? yes it was where he went at, uh, what 400 yards i didn't realize i, I forgot yeah i forgot that that was who they were playing yeah and but since then i mean they've they've regrouped and recovered and they are beating teams by a large margin um so much so yeah this game was like 41 to 7 I, I believe. yeah it was it was a blowout and matt jones looked really good uh 300 yards passing i think he had three touchdowns um yeah, dude, he's he's the first Patriots rookie with three or more touchdown passes in a game since Drew Bledsoe back in '93, uh, which Drew Bledsoe had four. And if you remember correctly, Bledsoe was the one that went down for Brady to take over for. So oh, that's yeah. some good company to to be in. It is. It's hard to believe that's only one technically one generation quarterback ago. Meaning Tom Brady's still playing. He relieved Drew Bledsoe. And that was in the 90s, and here we are in 2021. That is crazy. That is really crazy. That That's a testament to Brady and the amount of, you know, the, or the ability to just roll with the punches and 
just keep winning at all costs. Yeah, it's, it blows my mind. I have a now 13-year-old son, and you know he's still watching Brady play, but he'll never know anything about Peyton Manning as far as what he doesn't see on YouTube or you know yeah. Brett Favre. That's that's a crazy world. To it me. is, dude. And <laughs> I mentioned to him um, something about Dennis Eckersley, who was a great closer for the athletics in baseball. And he said, who? I said, what? <laughs> you don't know who Dennis Eckersley is? He's like, no. Like, oh, my God. I feel old. Well, so that's crazy. So, like, the Peyton and Eli uh, special that they do on ESPN, he doesn't realize who Peyton is there? I mean, other than from you telling him who he right. is. No, I mean, he recognizes the name a little bit. And Peyton, you know, Peyton and Eli are still very culturally relevant. You know, he's all over yeah. commercials, and they're still doing um, – they still do the simulcast with Monday Night Football, which uh, has got a little controversy of its own. <laughs> it seems like it happens every week, something new. Yeah. It's, <laughs> they just can't get it right. Well, it's what's, what the latest thing is, is everybody that they have come on live, um, the, fo- Loses the, next the week. following week they lose sort of a yeah. uh, a Madden curse. Kind of like a, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> just like the Madden curse, man. It's crazy. Yeah, so we're going to so, so, we're gonna see what happens. Do you think? Do you think Mac Jones deserves Rookie of the Year honors well, at this point in the, the season? The only person who was giving him a run for it was Jamar Chase, and uh, Chase is down, right? He's he's got torn yeah, ACL. I think he did get hobbled. Yeah, some, something happened. I don't know exactly what it was. I'll have our intern check that later, but um, <laughs> no, I, I think Jamar Chase is out with ACL, so that's going to more than likely kill you know kill his uh, Rookie of the Year chances. So it's Matt Jones is the front runner, and it's kind of his to lose at this point, which I don't think he's going to. So, yes, Matt Aaron. Jones, Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Lock it in, boys. Give me my money. <laughs> well, moving on to, to week 11, what we have in front of us, um, we got three, actually two really big matchups. Yes. Uh, we got the Packers and Vikings at 1 o'clock. Um, and then we have the Chiefs and the Cowboys. I think they have the 425 slot. Um, these are two pivotal games that, um, you know, especially for the Packers and Vikings, can really dictate um, how the NFC North is going to be played the rest of the year. Um, I think the Vikings are really the only team in that division that give the Packers somewhat of, you know, a head-scratcher as to how they're going to win the division. Right. Um, the Packers are going to also have to navigate what they're going to do being without Aaron Jones. Um, he left in the last game um, and possible ACL tear there. He's got a pretty bad uh, knee injury is what it looked like. Yeah, he was crying uh, in pain, seen, dude. Yep. Yeah, yeah, on the sideline, the, I was going to say the camera pans and see a grown man cry. That That's pretty big for NFL players. Um, yeah, it's tough. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the Vikings will be able to crack that Packers defense, um, they I, th- I think if they can, I think the Vikings have the tools and the you know the players to be able to outscore the offense of the Packers. Um, you know, being down one of their star athletes in Aaron Jones. Um, but then again, you know, I don't know if you got to watch much of the Packers game. That was one that I did get to watch. Yes. Um, a- AJ Dillon, man, he looked good. He did. Um, <clears throat> you know. I think this is his second year in the league. Um, he's been in the shadows of Aaron Jones, kind of always acting, you know, kind of shy of the spotlight um, as far as his playing. It, you know, he'd have, 
you know, a good run here and there, but he really looked complete after coming in for Aaron, and I think he ended up breaking off a pretty long run for a touchdown in that game. Um, but, yeah, that it's going to be an interesting matchup there. Yeah, he um, – Dylan looked really good, and I think he's going to step up nicely. Um, you know, as long as you – Aaron Rodgers has that threat of of the run or the play action. He'll be able to still be that complete quarterback, that that threat. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a master of reading defenses, dude. I I put him right up there with Brady, right up there with Peyton. Um, I mean, he picks apart defenses week in and week out. It's kind of uncanny, the ability pre-snap for him to read a field and know where he needs to go with the ball. I agree 100%, but... The big matchup that I'm waiting for, dude, um, and you you hit on it, the 4 o'clock game with the Chiefs and the Cowboys. The Cowboys absolutely decimated my Atlanta Falcons. And, I mean, I don't know if the Falcons. <laughs> and it looked easy. I don't, it looked so easy for I don't them. know if it was because Atlanta was really bad or the Cowboys are just that good. It's so hard to tell. Um, I think they look really, really good. But it's crazy the Falcons just came off that huge win against the Saints. You know, which bar it was a near game, end of the game, three, you know, field goal that set them over the top for the win. But, you know, the Saints weren't terrible. No, um, they wouldn't. You know, their, their, de- their defense has been pretty good this year. I know they've lost Jameis at quarterback, but it was, it was disheartening to see how bad the, the Cowboys just – took the Falcons and I mean they beat them yeah and the thing about the Falcons division is you've got the Saints and the Falcons and the Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers and in order to make the playoffs in that division you pretty much in the last in this year and recent years you have to win the division because you're more than likely not going to get the wild card with the NFC North being so competitive with strong teams um so if the Falcons have a any shot you know they have to they have to win the division, and obviously, um, Tom Brady—they're <laughs> calling him terrible Tom after Sunday's performance. He didn't look great, um, but the Dallas Cowboys did not help us whatsoever. Um, that was a fiasco, dude, and it, yeah, it, it hurt to watch. It, you know, it, it did, but you know, Dallas—they're—they're they're this Jekyll and Hyde approach over these last couple of weeks. It seems like you know, one week we see. The Cowboys that you know dominate a team like they did the Falcons winning by 40 points, but then you turn around and they'll have a week where they get throttled by a Denver Broncos team that shouldn't even be on the same field with them. Right. So I'm interested to see how you know if they can string back to back victories um, over what should be a, a great team. You know the Chiefs have had their struggles, but. Um, I think they're finding their mojo and their, you know, will to win. I think they're clicking again on most cylinders. I think there's still some things they can clean up as well. But, you know, it's looking like this is going to be the matchup of the week. Yeah, I I think so. And going back to the coaching aspect again, dude, I believe Andy Reid is a great coach. And, um, you know, when when you have good coaching, when you have good leadership – you know, even when you're not performing on your best day as a quarterback or wide receiver or skill position or any position, really, um, they will, you know, your coaches always bring you back to to center. And I think that's what happened with the Chiefs. They're coming back to center. 
So to see the Cowboys coming off their big win against Atlanta and to see the Chiefs coming off their, you know, impressive performance, Patrick Mahomes looked next to perfect. Um, we're going to see what, what happens Sunday afternoon. So definitely don't bet on those games because those could go either way. <laughs> um, but just to, just to kind of give you a little break from football, um, a little MLB offseason news. MLB news and notes. There's you know, kind of been a lot going on as, as far as in Braves world. Uh, there's still not been a Freddie signing. Freddie is still t- technically a free agent. <laughs> I'm 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 in so many Braves groups on Facebook, and I'm so tired of the comments that go, um, that are just like, "Where's Freddie? Um, do you have any updates on Freddie?" And like, it's it's getting to the point where it's comical because people are starting to comment and be like, "I think Freddie's eating right now." Yeah, you know, uh, Freddie's laying down for bed. Like we don't care. Like let's just let. The professionals be the professionals, and you know if he if he ends up leaving, you know it, whoa, whoa, it would suck. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I would hate it. We'll be careful. No, what I, know, you say. I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. It, it's hard to hear because I I'm a diehard Braves fan, and you know I'm I, I like to see guys that have been there since I was younger, and you know kind of grow with them. But you know if if we I think we showed this year in a year that we win the World Series that it has so much more to do with a cohesive unit versus a one player team. It does. Um I think I think time and time again in the MLB and even NBA and and things of, you know, pretty much all sports, when you try to force talent just to be together, I think it makes it that much harder to win sometimes whereas when you can find a few good guys, a few average guys, a few slightly above average guys, you know, to gel and to come together and work towards a common goal, yeah, I think we proved it this year with the Braves. They, you, you can win it all in that way as well. So, you know, I, I think Freeman loves the Braves, but at the end of the day, it's it's a business. It and, is. You know, it's a career for him. He has to look out for the future of his family. Sure. Um, you know, the future of the future of his family, as far as you know, even beyond himself and his wife. You know, down to his kid and his kids' kids. Right. So he has a chance to you know, really be paid for his ability. And I think he's worth it. I think, you know, I, I, I think the amount that he's seeking should be found. But if that's not with the Braves, I wish him the best. I hope it is with the Braves. Yeah, 100%. But, um, you know, I, I think I think sometimes as fans, you can be a little hard on players and not take the fact that if you were in the same situation, would you not be looking to get paid what you feel you're worth? Well, sure. I mean... I will say this, whoever his agent and publicist is, they are doing an excellent job because I turn on the Atlanta Hawks game, there was Freddie and Chelsea and Jock Peterson sitting on the sideline, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is just, you know, the night before the parade, and and then I turn on the CMA Awards, and there's Freddie and Chelsea sitting in the audience, and I look back during the CMA Awards, and there's Freddie giving a freaking award. I'm like, dude. And then you see his Instagram being like, peace out, West Coast, here I come. Yeah, that, I mean, so. <laughs> that one that one hurt a little bit. Yeah, dude, you know, it is a business, and I get it, and, you know, it would be like seeing, there's something special about a player who, spends his whole career with the team and they become the face of that franchise 
and there's not and there's not many that there's have done really it. not you know? and we 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 have one close to home chipper jones who spent his entire career all the way through the farm system came up went to the big leagues with atlanta um and retired a brave and that is that's special it really is but at the same time you know freddie is is from california everybody knows that his family's still out there um he is huge on family if if you ever get the chance to watch the espn e60 on freddie um it's called coming back full circle um i hope you get to watch it 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 tell you his entire life story about his struggle with um his mom losing her to melanoma skin cancer you ever notice freddie always wears long sleeves in every game and that's to honor his mom um i did not know that if you you'll never see him in short sleeves so um so that's obviously the big news around atlanta everybody's on edge waiting this could go in i i could foresee this going into january maybe even maybe even february um if they haven't signed him by january that's a bad sign um usually these things get done pretty quick usually around thanksgiving or christmas historically in the situation if it goes after the first of the year it's not a good sign for the home team so we'll see what happens there um in other news the braves did sign a catcher manny pena who see i didn't know i don't know much about him i know he's from the brewers you have a little better baseball background what's the what's the 411 on him uh he's you know middle-aged catcher he's around 32 years old um he hits about 250 career average um he throws out about 33 percent of his runners you know just kind of a middle of the road guy um that the braves are adding some depth now we lost alex jackson to the Marlins when we picked up Adam Duvall. So um, Alex was kind of like a third catcher for us. Um, and then we kind of stuck with, you know, obviously Travis Darno had a thumb injury. He came back from that. He was never really the same. And when I tell you um, Travis Darno was swinging the bat, I mean, he won Silver Slugger last, last season in the COVID season. Um, but Travis was doing really, really well at the plate. Now, Travis is an elite defensive catcher. Um, one of, he works really well with the pitching staff. Yes. I could tell from the, the run we had in the postseason. Yep, they, they all love him. And, and, you know, we have William Contreras, who um, was back and forth from minor leagues to major leagues a lot. Um, so they're, He's my dark horse for this upcoming season. I, I really like William I, I like him too, dude. He's got, he's got some pop in his bat. He can... You know he can hit to all sides of the field. There's a lot of a lot of pros there for William. Um, I think the biggest thing they struggle with, you know, with him was consistency. Um, you know, so the thing about Pena, I think he's going to be very consistent. Uh, he's a good defensive catcher as well. And the Braves, and this is kind of a practical application. The Braves have a lot of Hispanic players, um, and the MLB, you know, is 25% Hispanic. So, I mean, it's um, to have a Spanish-speaking catcher really can open up your, you know, your cohesiveness and leadership abilities and that sort of thing. So, um, Definitely. Other news around the MLB, some major um, free agents. You got Carlos Correa for the Astros. Um, 
you know that's a done deal going to the Yankees for him, right? Uh, I don't know. Is it is it done? <clears throat> I've I've seen. <laughs> It's getting to the point on Instagram and Facebook. I can't tell if it's a meme or if it's the real thing. Um, I've been seeing a lot of rumors about him going to the Yankees. Um, that that's pretty crazy. They they always seem to make a big splash signing someone, and then it doesn't pan out for them. They the Yankees. I don't know if it's just me being a Braves fan and hating the Yankees, oh, I hate them. but they they seem for the past decade or so. You know, they have made the playoffs and stuff, but. They just they seem to keep coming up flat, even though they had the biggest payroll. Well, the thing about the Yankees is they've always had the money, and even if they didn't have the money, you know they paid the luxury tax. Um, I I mean every rumor I've seen has got Correa going to the Yankees. Um, that's kind of you know solved their that's kind of complete their infield quite a bit. Um, but you know it's just one of them things where you just have to say you know what throw your hands up. The Braves did it. With an 88-win team, you know, they would they didn't win 100 games this year. They didn't have, I think they were like 21st in payroll. Um, so I mean, there's there's a lot to be desired by just having a endless pocket to pay your team. But uh, with that being said, um, just a couple areas to look for. I look for Corey Seager uh, possibly going to the Cubbies. Um, from the Dodgers, um, the Dodgers have to unload some payroll. They've they've made it public uh, that, that that's one of their goals in this offseason, and the Cubs are buyers again. You know, they got rid of a lot of players during the sell-off. Um, and, you know, uh, Buster Posey retiring recently. Uh, he's kind of a local. A local Georgia boy. Yeah, he's a local guy to us uh, right here from Lee County, Georgia. Um not to say more local to you than yeah. me being out in Auburn. Yeah, really close to us. Um, so you know they've got some they've got some needs there. The Giants were a great club this year, but they need starters. Um, there's even some talk of Max Horser, who was with the Nationals, came to the Dodgers, possibly looking towards the Giants. He's got some connections there. So who knows, man? We'll just have to take a look and see what see see how things pan out. We'll have probably some updates uh, before Christmas on the MLB. NCAA men's basketball. Yeah, man. Um, there's a lot going on in the NCAA basketball world, um, even though we're only a week in. Um, just going to touch kind of relatively quickly on them. Um, it seems as that we have a freshman uh, resurgence uh, in the entire league. They, Great they class. seem to be running running a bunch of their teams forefront, you know, a lot of minutes, a lot of scores. Um, Duke's big freshman, um, you know, the Banchero, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. He's been killing it, scoring almost 20 points a game, almost nine rebounds in, in those same games. But um, unfortunately, him and Coach K's grandson, Michael Servino, Cerv- uh-huh. I think is how it's pronounced, Um they were actually caught Ooh. <laughs> and charged with a W, I mean a DUI and a DWI. Mm-hmm. Uh, Banchero being the one with the DWI, um, you know they uh, it, it happened on Sunday morning. Um, I'm assuming sometime, you know, after being on campus after I think they played on Sunday, and um, 
that's just that's not that's not what you want from your star freshman, <laughs> no, or your or your grandson getting picked up on those charges. Um, they they play Gardner Webb tonight. Um, and it's unclear what the punishment's going to be for those two players, but um, it's kind of a dark cloud over a bright spot for Duke. This being Coach K's last season and having a, a, a freshman that can lead your team like Benchero has been doing. Um, well, the, it seems to happen every yeah. year, dude. You know, you got star athletes on college teams and professional teams um, that, you know, mess up and do something similar to this. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. You know, they did. They made a bad decision. Obviously, I, I strongly disagree with having a drink and, you know, or being buzzed or whatever, getting in a vehicle. So I'm glad nobody was hurt. I'm glad this was the outcome. Glad they got caught. Hopefully it can uh, bring yeah. some change and some difference to their life. And uh, to touch on another team, the the Gonzaga Bulldogs, you touched in the last episode about Chet Holmgren um, and how dynamic he is in the mm-hmm. front court, um, which he is. He He's a phenomenal athlete, uh, still young, you know, still mm-hmm. trying to feel what it's like to be in college basketball and being at an elite level on an elite team. Um, they actually had a very impressive victory over the number five Texas Longhorns. They beat them eighty six to seventy four yep. in Washington on Saturday night. Um, Chet didn't really, you know, jump off the screen in that game. Um, he kind of played a B roll to Drew Timmy, um, the the senior Timmy. that's on the team. Um, so <laughs> I thought that too when I when I read his name. I was like. Man, that really had me laughing. I actually laughed out loud. Yeah, me too. But uh, Chet, you know, he still wants to be, you know, that guy. But I, I think he's he's just got to wait his turn. I think there's very talented players behind there him, really I mean, is. in front of him. Um, that you know, he's he's phenomenal. But they are as well, and he'll find a spot, and they'll get rolling. And I I think with that win over Texas, you know, they're definitely made their stamp kind of like Georgia has in the NCAA football league that it's Gonzaga and then everyone else. Um, yeah, we'll see how, how they match up against some teams they have ahead of them. Um, I think it's been said that Syracuse or Illinois, I think one of those two teams may have a chance matchup wise against Gonzaga to, you know, put up some kind of defense that can go toe to toe with some of their stars. So right. it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out for Gonzaga. Yeah, man, I'm excited about it. They've got some good matchups next week. Um, you know, on, on next Friday night, they take on the number two team. I can't, I can't remember who it is right off the top of my head. Um, drawing a blank at the moment, but they've got some, they've got some hard games coming up. And the thing about basketball is, you know, you've, You've only got five players on the court at any good time. So you got all this talent at all these positions. You know, like Gonzaga, you've got stars. Yeah, I think it's at UCLA that you were talking about, ranked number two. Yeah, they play them next Friday night and um day after Thanksgiving. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great game, but going back to sharing the ball and that cohesiveness, I think, you know, he's still looking for his place. He's he's a freshman and, you know, they're still learning how to play together. They know how dynamic this kid is. He's got hours of YouTube footage of him just dominating in high school, and he's really playing above his level already. So it's going to take him some time to get there. Uh, And, you know, 
all these different divisions in NCAA basketball, they have a ton, a lot more than in NCAA football. Um, but I think one of the best conferences this year, shockingly to me, is the SEC. Even yeah. though they're a powerhouse in football, basketball, they've always been you know headlined by the Kentucky Wildcats as their best team. Dude, or North Carolina, every, every Kansas, every well, we'll see. Yeah, and all those are from from other conferences, but the SEC. Kentucky's usually their bell cow, but this year they cumulatively have a record of 19 and two. Nice. Um, They've been, been stellar. And and that's not to say that South Carolina is going to go, you know, toe to toe with, with Duke or Kansas or, you know, these upper echelon teams and other conferences, but head to toe, top to bottom, the SEC is looking strong. Um, So really, that I, I that can change. Like I said, we're only a week in, but they look strong with a record of nineteen and two against the rest of you know the the conferences that have much worse records. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Can't wait to see it, dude. I'm um, looking forward to this basketball season big time. What you got in the Vegas corner this week, bro? Oh, man, well. You know, you you told us to stay away from the close games, and <laughs> I went completely against that information. Oh, it's going to bite you, bro. I would just go ahead and take some of these games. So um, I'm anxious to watch them, and usually I like to bet on games that I watch. So in the Packers and Vikings game, um, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I just think he'll basically just take the ball and put it in the end zone and bring a W out of it um he always seems to be able to will that team to victory even when they don't look like they're firing on all cylinders somehow the packers manage to win when aaron Rodgers is determined to do so i like it fantasy let's go so we're gonna go packers minus two and a half in that matchup then then we got uh you know another team we spoke on the the blazing hot patriots um i hate to do this to my boys but I got Patriots minus six against the Falcons. I think Mac Jones keeps proving haters wrong. Um, yeah. There's just it's amazing week in and week out how Bill Belichick is able to take the Patriots with a bunch of ragtag people with no names, put them in positions to succeed, and they come through time and time again. Um, so I'm, I'm taking Patriots minus six I, against the Falcons. I agree with you there. And uh, for the third one, we're gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs, man. I think they're back. Um, okay. <laughs> I've been I've been wrong before, and I have. After talking with you on this podcast today, I feel like I may be wrong here. But stick with I'm your gut, bro. Chiefs stick with m- it. Minus two over the Cowboys. Mainly, the only reason I haven't made this bet is I feel the Cowboys somehow always find a way to grab defeat out of the jaws of victory. It doesn't matter what kind of start they get off to the past, you know, 20 years. No matter how good it looks for the Cowboys, when it gets to this part in the season, it always seems like stuff just starts falling apart. And um, this is a good game. I think the Chiefs want to prove that they belong in the playoff contention talks. Um, So, yeah, let's go Chiefs minus two. Over the Cowboys. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against you here. I'm gonna I think the Cowboys are gonna edge them out by four. Um, you know I I think the the difference with the Cowboys this year they have a good defensive coordinator, um, in Dan Quinn, ex ex Falcon. So um, 
I, I think the Cowboys are going to bring it out. I, it, are they playing in Dallas or in Kansas City, Dino? I'm pretty sure it's in Dallas um, because the Chiefs just played in Arrowhead, and I think I heard them on that game that they were talking about traveling to Dallas. Okay, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game either way, man. I don't think it really matters where where it's gonna be. Um, I'm not a huge home field. It's actually at Arrowhead. Oh, so wow. I did mis- misinterpret that. They are they are playing them at home, at, and it's mid afternoon, so it'll eventually it'll be a night game. So that'll help help my bet. I feel like maybe so, man. Um, it's gonna be a great game. I'm definitely gonna be glued um, glued to the red zone all afternoon. Uh, I'm excited, dude. It's gonna be a good weekend of football. Yeah, it's 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 coming up to be. I think. It's lined up to be a much better weekend than we had this previous one, so it'll be interesting to see how all the games, you know, play out. You got any plans for this coming weekend? Uh, mainly just kind of hit up the football man. Gonna hang out with the kiddos. Maybe uh, we're gonna hit the batting cage, um, and the pitching mound with my son. Um, but dude, I got five dollars. I want to throw on a parlay. Give me one thing. Okay. Give, give me one thing, bro. Give you. I one need some thing. lunch money. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do a whole lot of research on a parlay just because these two marquee matchups. But um, if I had to go with something, um, you're, you're making me have to look up something right now. <laughs> you're going to have to filibuster for a second. I got to do a little looky-looky. Go ahead, man. Do that. Um, so I want you guys to know that as we close, getting towards the end of our podcast, hit us up on our social medias. We got irrelevant sports guys on instagram irrelevant sports guys on facebook you can connect with us on any of those programs um even have a you know even got a tiktok hit us up on tiktok you can message us um you know give us some feedback any content that you want to see would like to see anything you would like to talk about um coming soon to the podcast where we've got some guests lined up for you guys we're gonna have some call-ins to the show um some really cool stuff to look out for. What you got, Adam? Hey, we're going to take it to NCAA football, Ricky. I got Georgia plus 40 over Charleston <laughs> Southern. Plus 40. Possibly plus, po- possibly plus 60, but oh, we'll go with plus gosh. 40. We're going to parlay that with a Michigan State upset over Ohio State. The spread is 19 points, but I'm taking Michigan State straight up with the odds. This basketball, just to college. Ba- this is this football. Okay, <clears throat> just just to increase that winning amount, um, we're gonna forget the spread and just go Michigan State underdogs for the upset over Ohio State. Oh, Ohio State. Um, okay. And then the and then the third game, we're gonna go out to Oklahoma where the Buffalo roam or something like that, <laughs> and we're gonna pick the Sooners. Minus four over Ohio State. I mean, Iowa State. My bad. <laughs> the Cyclones. Guys, I'm sorry for the, the mashed up uh, parlay there, but go ahead take that to the bank. Let's turn your uh, lunch money into some dinner money and take that girl out on the Let's date. Let's do it, man. Well, dude, I am exhausted from getting all these statistics wrong. Um, let's get the hell out of here, bro. Yes, sir. I'm right behind you. Peace out, guys. Peace out, guys. Thanks for being here.